0: Hallelujah, Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up if you would to um, Luke chapter nineteen and this morning i 'm um, on a little bit of an assignment from the Lord, and I shared in first service, and I believe that God uh, also has somebody here this morning that needs to hear this in second service, but there was a young lady that really I believe the Lord orchestrated everything for uh, in that first service for her and uh, as well as others that were ministered to at our altar time. But um, I just uh, feel like this is such an important message that we need to hear and that God is trying to do something so dynamic in his people today because we're in such an, uh, an urgent hour for the church. This is an hour when the church really needs to be the church. It's time for us to really be Christians. Amen. To do real Christian stuff, to engage and be involved in that, and uh, and so with that, so I had something totally else planned. I was really wanting to finish uh, a part two of the message that I started in 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 towards our men and ministering to our men, but uh, the Lord changed that this morning. And then while we were in Pennsylvania, it's kind of interesting. I don't always get to click onto our live stream because like right now we're live streaming. And then I saw that we are all across America right now, the United States, there are people logged in watching us right now. So we welcome you that are watching by live stream. And I believe this message is for everybody that's here or that's hearing this. We have people in Europe, in the Ukraine, people in Asia that are watching us by live stream. So it's exciting to see that God's given us an, an, an opportunity to get the gospel out amen and uh, but I believe that everybody needs to hear this this morning whether you're here or whether you're watching this via the internet this morning it's so important that you hear this message. Luke 1910, and we just want to take this the backstory to restoration. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. Father, I thank you this morning that in these next few moments by your Holy Spirit you're going to do something so dramatic in each one of our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you quickened this. You you called an audible and changed everything for this message to be preached today because of what you desire to do. I thank you for the young lady that was so set free in first service. God, you are an amazing God. You love us so much that you would orchestrate things just to declare your love to us. And I thank you. You're about to do that same thing in this time. In Jesus' name, somebody said... Amen. Um. And look at this, I want you to see this, but the Son of Man came to seek and to save. Salvation is more than just having your sins forgiven. It's having your whole life transformed. It's being set free from who you are, were to who you are in Christ. And living in that freedom. A couple weeks ago, we rejoiced with all the water baptism. But water baptism declares that we are buried with Him in death but we are raised with him in what newness of life and we're supposed to be living that new life but we have an adversary who loves to remind us of our path and the purpose of reminding us of our past is to keep us from fulfilling the destiny that God has for each and every one of our lives so I want you to see this confession with and just repeat this with me father I thank you today that in spite of my past, you still have a plan for my future. You do not hold my past against me. You hold your future out to me. Today I choose to forgive myself, receive your love and restoration. To walk in the hope and the future you have planned for me. Because my backstory. Will not be my last story in Jesus' name. Amen. You need to hear that this morning. God has ordained your backstory is not your last story in Jesus' name. Think about it. See, there's someone that God needs to send you to. When the Lord wants to reach people, He sends people to them. We we send missionaries out. We have people, Pastor Tim's leaving on Thursday to go back over on the mission field for 18 days to train pastors and leaders. Because when God wants to reach people, He sends people to them. Anyway, amen. And when the devil wants to reach people, He sends people to them. Amen. That's why 1 Corinthians 15.33 says that bad company corrupts good morals corrupts good conduct that's why it's so important who you let speak into your life many of us have gotten involved in things how did I get involved in that well who was speaking into your life what voices were coercing you or directing you or trying to influence you so you want to choose your friends wisely could you say amen you get around people that are I can't I never will it never turns out man 30 seconds and you're depressed <laughs> oh to god I was feeling good till I ran into you hallelujah Amen. But, so it's, but you get around to other people, man, I'm just believing God. God's doing great thing. Every time you turn around, you go, man, you start feeling better just by what you're hearing. So it, it, you, we know that there's an influence that people have. But God wants to send you to somebody to be a blessing in their life, to bring an answer to them. And so He comes to engage you. Engagement is something that God is looking to enact in all of our lives. No one was more engaging with people at the point of their need than Jesus was nobody engaged more with people right where they were right in their situation than Jesus did and the problem wasn't just to get down in the mully grubs with them he didn't come just to get in the midst of their problem with them but to raise them up and to lift them up from where they were to what he had for them could you say amen And so it's so important. Now in Luke chapter 15, let me just back up for a moment there in your outline. In Luke 15, Jesus spoke three parables as one concerning being lost. He uses them together and illustrates to us the full meaning of of what it means to be law. So, what does it mean? Somebody says, "Well, I'm law." Yesterday, Pastor Sue was sharing her testimony, and when she went to church, people were telling, her, "You need to get saved." So well, I don't know what getting saved means, but whatever. So, but then through that whole course, and then she answered an altar call, and they, "Oh, you got saved." So, oh, that's what that was. So, anyway, but what does it mean to be law? A lost sheep re- re- represents lost direction. The lost coin represents lost value, and the lost son represents a lost identity. When you lose your identity. It affects your values. Identity always determines values, and values and identity together always determine the direction. If I could listen to you for a few moments, and I look at your lifestyle, whatever you do, your life will tell me what you identify with. Whatever you identify with sets your values, and those two together determine the direction your life is taking. When you come to Christ, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a... New creation, old things pass away, all things become new. We're going to read in Ephesians 2.10 that the Lord literally gives us a new identity, a new set of values, and a new path for our lives, new directions for our lives because that's the way God ordained our lives to be. He brings restoration back. See, it's sad enough when an individual loses their personal identity as a son or a daughter and then redefines their values, in in which in turn changes the course. Force and direction of their life. But today, many are losing their identity, value, and directions in life, not by choice, but by force. We're seeing in our society today, California is on a rampage of Stupid. We well, just are our legislators and people passing laws and, and enforcing, trying to enforce things and, and restrict things that are against us. But there are all things that deal with every one of these laws, deals with these three areas. It deals with identity, and it deals with values, and it deals with direction. If you can go into elementary school and begin to teach prepubescent age children about sexual identity, then you are redefining their identity as a children before they ever have a thought about sexuality and then you're reshaping their values and you're causing them to value relationships differently than what a godly world moral view is and then that means you can have them go in the direction you want them to go it's not about their lives it's the direction that they want your children to go in are you with me? And so it works across the spectrum, across the board, and it is so important. In fact, Tuesday as I was just praying, and uh, while well, we were at district council there, and I was sitting going through some thing, and you hear us all the time asking you to get involved in children's ministry, and we don't do children's ministry just as you know, just educated babysitting. There's a reason we do children's ministry, and it's really around this. And so I wrote this out, and I want you to hear it. Why children's ministry? Because in a day when social engineering is taking place in our public schools for the express purpose of reshaping the identity of our children and the next generation, there has never been a greater hour of necessity for the church to be pro- protectively, or excuse me, proactively involved in the mentoring of the next generation with a biblical and godly worldview than today when they are not just teaching kids sexuality, they are training them in lifestyle choices and activities and mocking anyone who speaks up against such teaching and training as being anti-child. I'm not anti-child, I'm anti-restructuring. And social engineering, we must refuse to give up our kids to the culture of the day. Hear me, church. You have to refuse to give your children up to the culture of the day. You're being told in public education you can't even opt your children out of something you don't believe in. Deuteronomy 18.10 says this, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. What does that mean? God said to Israel, When you go into the land, do not sacrifice your children on the altar of the culture that is there in the land. And that's what's happening today. We're allowing our children to pass through the fire of Moloch through social engineering. Ministering to children is speaking into divine destinies. Every life is formed by God with divine purpose. Anytime you minister to children, you are helping a child see and embrace the purpose they were created for. Our children are our future and the leaders of the next generation and the leaders of the church. We need to fight for them. Amen. The world is trying to shape the destiny of our children to fulfill its purpose, not theirs. They want to reshape their identity, change their values, and set the direction for their lives that has nothing to do with the destiny God placed on the inside of them. And we have to show up and declare the truth. Can you say amen? Amen. Look inside your outline if you would. You see, the greatest... The greatest promise of the gospel is forgiveness and restoration. And saying that it is easy to walk in forgiveness or to receive forgiveness, but it is something else to walk in restoration. What I mean by that, it's easy to know that God has forgiven you, but that's why we had it in the confession. Today I forgive myself. Today I receive God's forgiveness and His restoration for my life. It's one thing to be saved. It's one thing to know that God's forgiving me. But it's another thing to renew my mind and walk in the restoration that God has made available to me and given to me through Christ. Could you say amen? That's so important for us to understand. See, the, the son, the prodigal son, received the forgiveness of the father, but had to accept his restored identity and walk in the hope of his future and not the pain of his past. Or, in other words, his identity, value, and direction shapes the backstory of our life. See, every life has a backstory. My grandfather used to say this every house has a backyard. I tried to use him for an excuse when I was like 13 to part my hair down the middle. I had hair at 13. It was an awesome season of my life. Could do things with it. And uh, so I actually parted at one time. I actually permed my hair. It was awesome. Amen. And uh, so with all that. But anyway, um, so I said, I said, look, Mom. And there's a picture of Grandpa. And, and he had his hair parted down the middle back in the... 20s or something like that in the 30s and that looking all dapper I said look grandpa parted his hair down the middle and grandpa being a pastor son every house has a backyard <laughs> amen and so in the, or in other words we all have a backstory there's something behind us and so he said don't bring my past as an excuse for yourself amen and so dealing with things. So watch this. So what is that backyard? What is that backstory? It's the part of our lives most will never see and are never aware of unless a person's open up to share their secrets of their life. These are the hidden areas of pain, abuse, rejection, insecurities, abandonment, addiction, shame, and regret. They are the dark issues from our past that bring to bear their influence upon the choices we make in our present, seeking to shroud our failure in the cloak of darkness and despair. And Jesus is the one who is aware of every backstory. Think about that. He would minister to those he came in contact with out of the awareness of the backstory of their life. He is the God who sees and knows what many will never see and most will never know about your backstory. God knows you, but He has still chosen to love you in spite of your backstory, in spite of your failure, in spite of every mistake you've ever made. God is not looking at your path. He sent His Son to redeem you and to restore you and to deliver you and seek you so he could save you from your past. Could you say amen? So watch this this morning. So as we look at the woman at the well and her encounter with living water, like so many today, she was fetching water but dying of thirst. Lost in a desert of despair and isolation, caught up in the sandstorm of failures and disappointments. Her life was being scorched by the heat of condemnation and rejection, ridicule and shame, always searching for some shade and relief finding none, until she encountered restoration, new life, and living water, and its name was Jesus. Amen. Now think about it with the woman at the well Jesus was fully aware of her backstory Jesus knew this woman had a story but he says I didn't come to be cut off and be removed from people because of their story I came to engage with people and to set them free from what is holding them back because with the woman at the well there was some place he needed to go that he can only go through her he needs to reach people when God wants to reach people he has to send somebody to them and Jesus said if i can engage with her then i can heal her from her backstory and she can go where i cannot go are you with me and so it is so important so jesus knew her story and he said to her go call your husband and come here he didn't say go call your lover or call your adulterer i am one that has been on my whole ministry life i have been on a campaign to redeem this woman the Bible didn't say she was an adulterer. Jesus did not call her an adulterer, did not call her a sinner. That's a whole other message, but I want you to hear it. She just said, go call your husband. And because we always want to think the worst of everybody, we want to make up stuff and make up backstories for people. We start thinking, oh, she had five husbands. She must be an adulteress. No, she just had five husbands. Not five lovers, not five adu- Are you listening to me? Sometimes we read stupid into the Bible. Let me just tell you something. God doesn't need your help. Amen. <laughs> hey, just read the Word. He said, go call your husband. Do you know under that culture that, that, that if you lie okay, Come on. A husband can die. People die prematurely. husband can divorce women for any reason. You under the law of the Mo- the, the law most said if she doesn't please you anymore. Maybe she was a woman of righteousness and said, "Bubba, I don't like going with you when you go there. I'm not going to compromise my faith. I'm a woman of God. I don't want to go there." Maybe she was just a woman that made five stupid choices. I should have got a better amen than that right there. <laughs> but anyway, but, instead, but but maybe the man she was with was a kinsman redeemer. Maybe her last husband died and a brother took her in and brought her in. And it was not a husband of her choice, but it was a husband of provision. Are you listening to me? So there's so many other things that could be going on there. And Jesus, but whatever it is, she's living under the guilt. Because people have made up their own backstory concerning her situation. And she's living under the condemnation of people and the casting, judging eyes of people. So she's gathering water in the heat of the day. But Jesus meets her there to set her free from her backstory. Are you getting this this morning? And the Lord is here to do the same thing for you. Some of you have had people cast shadows of dispersion and doubt and made up things about your life. And they don't even know anything about your circumstance. Amen. And so we need to learn to be like Jesus. So what did he do? He said, woman, go call your husband. And then he leads her into a conversation that progresses from water to worship to salvation and eventually to the harvest. His engagement with her leads her to an engagement with the elders of the city and the great harvest. Jesus reaches one woman at one well, heals her of her pain of her backstory, and she goes and wins a whole city for the Lord. What would happen if we began to walk in that kind of restoration? If we chose to engage people like Jesus and bring that kind of forgiveness into their life? I wonder how many cities we could be saved. Somebody ought to give God a praise in the house this morning. Amen. Well that was lame. Amen. Amen. You guys Amen. Amen. You guys clap like a white church. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you one thing: you guys need to get some culture. Come on. Hallelujah, I'm telling you. So what? Watch what happens? What about this? So she told others, come and see a man who told me my backstory. Could this be the Christ? Come and see a man who knew everything about me, loved me, didn't condemn me, completely set me free. I'm not living in the shadows anymore. Come and see a man who told me everything. What about the woman caught in adultery? He knew her story. Let me hear me, hear me this morning. Nobody plans to end up where she was on purpose. Nobody plans to end up in that situation on purpose. You go down on the streets in Sacramento and West Sac and South Sac and on on the evening, you will find young ladies, young ladies, young ladies. Unfortunately, walking the street, not because they said when they were in high school, I'm going to grow up and be a street walker. They're there because of the pain and the rejection and the ridicule. And they're there walking the street and giving their lives away because too many people have judged them by their backstory. They're not there by choice. They're there by unfortunate circumstances. Amen. Amen. They don't choose to be there. Neither did this woman choose to be there on purpose. And he condemned her not. The Bible says in John 8 and verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And I love what the Amplified says in verse 11. It says, and she answered, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go your way. And from now on, somebody say from now on. From now on, sin no more. Or look at what Jesus said. From this moment on, you are no longer condemned. You are no longer under the shadow of the circumstances that brought you to this point. From this moment on, I came to seek you, and now I have saved you. And from this moment on, you are free to go forward and not have to sin anymore. That The pain that produced your decision that brought you to this point has now been healed. Woman, thou art. Aren't loosed. Amen. Amen. And he set her free. Think about that. You're free from the pain that produced your failure. So how do we know that there's a backstory to their life? One, because no one is born to be a woman of infidelity. And no one fetches the heat water in the heat of the day by choice. Can you say amen? Or for no reason. Because life comes at people in many different ways. So the question is, how do we respond? How we respond on how life comes to us influences the choices and decisions that we make. Those choices shape our direction, influence our actions, until one day a person wakes up and gives up trying to change or find their way back. They silently declare within themselves, what's the use? Things will never get better. And they resolve to remain in the place of brokenness. They have lost the will to fight, and for the fear of disappointment, they choose to live in the shadows of their backstory to merely exist where they are until someone is sent by God to engage them. I want you to hear me this morning. The reason I'm preaching on this and the reason God has stirred this in my heart is because God is trying to send you to somebody. There's somebody that your life is connected to that's hiding in the shadows of their backstory. They're like the woman at the well. They're like the woman caught in adultery. If God can just get somebody to them to bring His redeeming love to them... Then they can be set free. But first, he's got to get you free. Amen. Amen. Stay with me this morning. See, our backstory that can lead us and influence us in the choices we make in life that produce our pain and our failures. When we allow ourselves to be driven by our past, we sabotage our future. Look at what's happening in our nation today. We keep looking back to our past and we're trying to project it into our future and into our present. And we're sabotaging the fabric of our nation. I'm sorry for every injustice that's ever been done. I'm sorry for everything done. But I want to build relationships right here in the now. I want to learn how to walk in restoration. I want to learn how to walk in forgiveness. I want to learn how to build a future together with every man, woman, and child. I don't care what color. I don't care what race they are. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what their hometown is, their old town is, their new town is. I want to be in relationship with people and build a future together. Can you say amen? That's the way we're supposed to live. Not trying to sabotage our path with our present. But the devil wants you to do that. He wants you looking back. The devil wants you looking back into your past. Because as you're looking back, you're sabotaging your future. And then he wants you looking forward in tomorrow and worrying about that. He wants you to bring tomorrow and today and the past into today and just wipe you out. Amen. So stay with me. Say, the Son of Man... Came to seek and to save that which was lost, and that salvation is freeing you from your backstory. We were all lost under the shadow of our backstory. You see, they accused Jesus of being the guest of sinners. In Luke nineteen ten, when he goes in there and with Zacchaeus, and that oh, he's a friend of sinners. I love the fact that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Hey Ben, anybody else in the house glad? Man, I'm glad. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And so what happened? They accused him of allowing sinners to touch him, to be in contact with him, and accepted by him. The woman at Simon the Pharisee's house comes in, begins to wash his feet, and come to be a woman, being a woman of the street. Jesus, something so powerful, his engagement with her, she realized she had been forgiven. She had a whole new life. She just came and poured her love out upon him, and he allowed it. Think about it. See, he did so, Because he was aware of their backstory, A story that he came to change. Jesus, every one of you, Jesus knows where you've been and what you've done. Every one of you, look up here. He's not ashamed of you because of it. He died for you because of it. That's why he died. Jesus died so you and I can be free. Jesus said this, the Son of Man didn't come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Listen, that's a powerful statement. The Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved from what? The condemnation that they're living under. How many of you need somebody to tell you you're sinning? Oh man, thanks for pointing that out. I didn't have a clue. just like kind of snuck up on me. I I don't even know how I got here. You know, we, we know exactly what we're doing. We, we, we have a conscience. We have conviction on the inside of us. And then when we mess up, we, we feel that condemnation for making the wrong choice. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, released from that condemnation, that shadow, that clouds that holds you bound and in captive to your past. Think about it. Jesus came in contact with people bound by the shackles of their backstory and lifted them from the yoke of oppression that had held them for so long, declaring to them that their backstory was not going to be their last story. So think about it. My battery's running low. Hold on one second. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Hey, Acts ten thirty eight. how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed. Healing all who were what? Oppressed. By the who? Yeah. Healing all who were what? Oppressed. Oppressed by the devil for God was with him. How does the devil oppress you? Too many Christians are living under oppression, the oppression of your past, that what you did diminishes what God can do through you, living under the oppression. You've heard me tell the story that when I got saved, I was told because of, of, of the divorce in my life, I couldn't be licensed with the assemblies of God at that time. And, and, and that's just the way it was structured. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a personal thing. It's just the way the organization was structured at that time. Do you understand that? So I have two choices. I can either get mad, say, well, I went to Bible school. I went to your stupid Bible school. I did all the things to get there. And now you won't even accept me. You didn't tell me before. Why don't you tell me before? I wouldn't have wasted all this time going to stupid Bible school. Bless God, I'm just going back. I'm going to go back and stick a needle in my arm again. Glory to God, that's how upset I am. I know a lot of people act like that. But well, wait a minute, that's just the way it was. I, instead, I just said, hey, you know what? I think I'll just go ahead and serve God, see what happens anyway. And so you just serve God. You just keep moving forward. You just keep moving forward. Say, God, I'm going to serve you and just see what happens. They didn't call me. You call This stern that's going on in the inside of me, it's not because I got a phone call from them. It's because I gave my life to you. And I literally feel like you've forgiven me of my past. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry they got a structure and they can't do it. But, God, there's more out there than just that. That's not the only opportunity and the only door. And then I go full circle all the way around, and I'll just throw this in here, and that that was in... In May of 1981, in August of 1981, we were on staff at a church in Bernie, California. In April of 1982, Harold Johnson comes to preach from Sunday to Wednesday at that church in Bernie, California, and on Wednesday night, he calls Sue and I out, and he says, Don, you need to know this. If you're going to answer God's call upon your life, every time you answer the call, there'll be something in your life of a wall or a roadblock or a hindrance that only God can get you over, and I'm here to tell you tonight that God's about to get you over that wall I went hey he laid hands on me power of God laid me out my wife let go let me fall right to the floor with no help she said you were gone and I wasn't that's all there was to it amen and so then, there, there we are, we, we just keep moving on, just keep serving God, just keep serving God, just keep serving God. And then through the whole process of time, 31 years later, I feel God stirring in my heart. God, I feel at this point in my life that there's something that I need to do, and with the church and the direction God had us in. And so, I've been through a whole process of change. The assemblers of God has gone through a whole process of change. They don't have that standard anymore. And I could have said, hey, they didn't want me then, I don't want them now. I could have carried resentment in my heart. I could have had bitterness in my heart, but instead I just followed the leading of the Lord. And then when it came time for me to be ordained in May of 2013, 32, 31 years later, they gave me a list of names of those you can pick out to lay hands on you during the ordination service. And I go down that list, and guess whose name was on that list? Harold Johnson, the man I hadn't seen for 31 years. The man who prophesied over me and gave me that word was a man who laid hands on me. On me. I'm telling you, God doesn't care about your backstory. God cares about His story for your life. And if He can get you over it and get you free from it, there's nothing that He won't do, and He'll reach people through your life. Amen. And you'll wake up one day and you'll find in your life, here are people that God has sent. And you go back and you look back, God, he came along all along my life. You orchestrated this whole thing. You just asked me to keep my heart right, to keep myself from all just to walk in freedom, just to love people. And God can bring you all the way around. In fact, I told them, I said, hey, guys. They said, well, why are you applying now? I said, well, this is where I would have been if I could have been all along. Some of you get that later. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch this. So it's easy, but this is what the church is supposed to be because when we allow the enemy to oppress us with our backstory, to hold us bondage to our backstory, yeah, we're saved, but the devil is oppressing you. He's holding your mind captive. He keeps you rehearsing your path and telling you God can't use you, but I'm telling you, Jesus is here and the anointing is here to set you free today. Somebody ought to say, Amen. amen. See, it's easy to fall in the trap of judging the life of another without ever knowing their story. I've been guilty in this more times than I like, but Jesus did not come to judge. He came to seek, to save and deliver us from the pain of our backstory. What about those we see every day? Those who need someone to love them enough to reach them without having to know their backstory. All we have to know is that their backstory will not be their last story. Can you say amen? think about it we see them on the streets on our jobs everywhere we go in life even we even come to church with our backstory seeking possibly an answer stirred by the hope that there is one who can save me from myself and from my path the greatest backstory of all was the Apostle Paul persecutor of the church who was called to preach the gospel because our backstory becomes our testimony to the power of his grace and the depth of his forgiveness for our life because God has ordained through the power of his grace to be able to transform our lives so that our backstory will not be our last story. Can you say amen? Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says this. Look at this. This is identity, value, and direction. This whole verse encapsulates that right here. For we are God's what? own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ, born anew. You've been given a brand new identity. You are born anew in Christ look at that, that we may do those good works which he predestined and planned beforehand for, for us, taking the past which he prearranged ahead of time that we should walk in there. So God says, hey, I have things planned for you. Your life has value in my economy. That's what that verse said. God says, your life has value in my economy. I have things for you to fulfill. And so God gives us back identity. He gives us back value. Living the good life which he prearranged reign and made ready for us to live he gives us identity he gives us value and he gives us direction somebody ought to say amen, amen. he works in our lives and brings that to it. regardless of where we have been this is where we are now in him so my question is where are you today are you still shrouded in the darkness of your backstory? story the worship team comes back have you accepted the lie that it will never change there's no hope So you've settled for just existing instead of fully living. Look, Luke 13 is a verse that I think applies to us today. Jesus goes into the synagogue. He's given the opportunity to speak and in walks a woman who's bowed over, restricted and restrained by an infirmity. The Bible literally says by a spirit a demonic spirit of infirmity. A devil controlling her life. But yet she's a child of God. She's a daughter of Abraham. She has covenant with God. But this spirit is controlling her life. She's being oppressed by the devil. And Jesus came to deliver those who were oppressed by the devil. Are you listening to me? But yet this woman's coming into church. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying this, that the church... God needs to get us free because people are supposed to walk through the door and come in, and they're not supposed to be able to leave the same in Jesus' name. If you come in bound, broken, and hurting, you're supposed to go out healed and whole and delivered in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? That's the will of God, and that's what we have to do. But something, come on, wholeness, broke people can't make people whole. People get in relationships. I see it all the time. I see two people get together, start identifying. I was broke over this. Yeah, I was broke over that. Yeah, we have the same broken story. Together, we can make a whole. No, you two broken pieces. Two brokes don't make a whole. Amen. You have to make Jesus make you whole. And then you invite somebody into your wholeness, not into your brokenness. You let God make you whole, and then you invite somebody to walk in wholeness with you, not brokenness with you. Because identity determines value, and identity and value determine direction. And if your identity is brokenness, you will never have wholeness together. That's a side note, just trying to help somebody, hallelujah. So watch this. So this woman, bound for 18 years, and Jesus says, that's not supposed to happen in church. That is not allowed, not on my watch, not in the church where I am, and I'm telling you today as your pastor, we're putting our foot down. God said today, like I said, I wanted to do something else, but God said there are people coming into the church today that the devil has bound, and you've been saved. You're a child of God, but you've been living under this bondage of oppression. God wants you to get up, to stand up, to be right, to have your eyes fixed on him, to walk in the purpose that he has for your life and to fill the thing that he's already ordained for you to fulfill. I've been amazed all these years. God, I've gotten to go here, do this. You had that all prearranged, planned out for my life. I didn't have to sit down and figure out what I'm going to do for God. Come on, people. He's got something already prearranged for you. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. So where are you? Are you in Christ but not living free from your past? Are you allowing the devil to read you the bedtime story of your past? To remind you daily who you were instead of living free as who you are in Christ? All that can be broken right now today. There's a grace so powerful and available for you today that it can literally close the pages of your backstory. Today, you can begin to write your new story of transformed life in Christ. will not you stand with me this morning? You know, when I was 18 all the way along was I actually started in junior high I started using drugs in junior high and I was out of pain and brokenness my dad not here I tell you what I'll get back to my dad I don't do drugs glory to God that was smart amen so we do things but every time I entered into sin I never bowed my head and closed my eyes we were doing drugs and my personality is I don't like to wait for a lot of things I like to do and I like you know quicker is better for me that's why I was they said man you can get high right now I said how do you do that well you just take this thing you wrap around your arm like this tie it off and you hold this thing and you stick this other thing in your arm and uh, you can be high in a heartbeat I said I can be high in a heartbeat oh yeah I said I'm in on that So I did it with my eyes wide open. My eyes wide open, I tied myself up, I stuck a needle in my arm, and I got high for the first time. With my eyes wide open, not with my head bowed and not with the room dark. But for some reason, when we come to Christ and we want deliverance from God, we want all of our heads bowed, all of our eyes closed, nobody looking around. We want to walk into deliverance like we're ashamed of being set free. I don't know about you. I'm not ashamed to being set. I wasn't ashamed of sinning, and I'm not ashamed of being set free or living for God. Amen. And so today, I'm just telling you, see, the devil, the devil tells you, hey, don't let anybody know you have a back story. Bubba, we already know, and so does God, and the devil knows, and that's how he keeps you a prayer, and you can walk out of here like this. Or oh, you can walk out of here, God. I'm free. I'm free. If you're tired of your backstory controlling your life, and the devil using it to press your life, move from where you are to this altar right now. Eyes open, lights on, no head bow, every head up, move right now in Jesus' name. Right now. right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Come on, church, give God a praise. Right now. Come on, I said praise God. Yeah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. And he uses pain and brokenness to hold your life in bondage. No more. No more. God has too much that he wants to do through your life too much that He wants to do through your life. Just like the woman at the well. He knows what's on the inside of you and who He can reach through you. So today, He's setting you free from that yoke of bondage that's been upon your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Alright, we're going to make this confession again. I want you to shout it out real loudly. Father, Father I thank you, today thank you today that in spite of my past, You still have a plan for my future. You do not hold my past against me. You hold your future out to me. Today I choose to forgive myself, receive your love and restoration, and to walk in the hope and the future. You have planned for me because my back story will not be, will not be. My, last my last story in Jesus name Hallelujah Thank you Lord